fervently that beads of, of blood were coming from me that no one would show up to church today. And obviously, he did not hear that prayer. Or actually did hear it. He just answered opposite of, of what I wanted done. So uh, you can tell a church is really hard up when the drummer has to come up here and, and, uh, and speak. Um, so I wanted to open up a little humor, humor because uh, I know everyone's done this. But it's a little nerve, nerve rattling uh, if it's not uh, something that uh, you're used to doing. Um, I'm much easier, I'm much more at ease talking about how to do CPR and how to extricate people from cars and going to burning buildings than I am talking about God's word. But I'm here and I'm being faithful and uh, I love this church body so much. And uh, in this time of uh, transition, uh, there's several of us, or a few of us, I probably should say, that will be stepping up here and, and kind of filling in um, where we're not used to filling in. So, But it is a pleasure to be here with you guys today. Uh, I'm here every Sunday with you, just not up here like this. Um, but uh, I have also been uh, helping out with Panguitch, the church in Panguitch, and, and helping out there when Dan needs, needs a break to come back here. So um, let me start off uh, by prayer before we get into our... Our verses, we're going to be, so people can get to it, uh, Book of Romans, chapter 3, verses 1 through 26, but our focus will be more on 21 through 26, those verses. Let me open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, precious Jesus, I love you so much and just praise you and thank you for this day that you have made for us and allowing each and every one of us to be here. Father, it's not an accident. It's not a, a coincidence that we are here gathered in this, uh, this church, Father, Father. and uh, it is by your will and by your design and, and uh, destination, Father, that we're here. And I just pray, Father, that um, even though I am a broken vessel, Father, and uh, not the, the best orator, Father, I just pray that nonetheless that your word would be spoken in truth and, and that your Holy Spirit, Father, uh, would just help others everyone present to hear your word, and not just to hear it, Father, but to that it would sink in to our hearts, Father, and that we would uh, do whatever your word says to do, Father. And I just, again, I just thank you uh, for blessing us uh, here at Red Hill Southern Baptist Church. And again, I just pray that uh, your will be done today, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Again, as I said, we're going to be in Romans chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 26. Um, Before I read through that, though, I know when I have sat out here or any church, um, you know, depending upon how how much you read God's Word, uh, how frequently you go to Sunday school, or or however you come into into the church body, there's sometimes a preacher may, uh, and I'm not a preacher, I'm just um, a teacher, I guess. Uh, But uh, anyways, uh, I have some definitions I wanted to go through first. So as we read through these verses, and as I dive deeper in, into this, uh, you'll have an idea of when I use these words, when these words come up, you'll understand what we're talking about. So the first one is justification. And justification is the declaring of a person to be just or righteous. Uh, The one thing that always helps me remember, and I heard this a long time ago, what justification is, when you hear this, this word justification, it is just as if I never sinned. That's what justification is. Just as if I never sinned. That's what Christ does for us. Uh, Sanctification, the process of being made holy, resulting in a changed lifestyle for the believer. Uh, So we're going to be, being sanctified means we're we're being set apart. Our life should be different now that we have uh, uh, chosen, uh, accepted Christ. 
Uh, one of the things that made me think about this, if, if I know I saw it up here on the screen, but my wife and I, uh, through John and Pastor Brandon's um, uh, in, uh, guidance, um, we're watching The Chosen, which is now beginning to, to come up on its second season. If anyone's not familiar with The Chosen, it is a TV series. Uh, it is um, not supported by any major um, TV corporation. It is strictly funded by people who want to watch it. You pay to watch it, and actually you pay it forward to watch, have other people watch it for free. It's an amazing uh, docu- or I should say documentary series about Christ, but really delves into his followers, into his disciples. And uh, season one's already come through. You put an app on your phone. Uh, if, you're, if your phone and your TV work, which we were trying to, trying to do last night, wasn't having too much uh, help. But uh, you cast it on there, and you watch this amazing series about Christ and his disciples. Um, Dallas Jenkins is the director, and he's the one that came up with it. His father is who, sweetheart? Remember? Dallas Jenkins' dad? Jenkins. He's an author, awesome author. Um, anyways, so this made me think of the chosen. We talked about sanctification and our lives changing. In the opening, there's this, there's this circle of, of all these gray fish, but there's just one fish that's, that's of a different color, like a, a turquoise or teal color, and it's swimming around. And then all, because they're all going the same direction except for this one fish. And then it changes, and then this other fish flips around and starts following that one fish that's a different color, and it changes color. And obviously, this is talking about Christ and his followers, his disciples. I just always remember seeing this picture, and it shows all these kinds of fish going one direction, and then it shows that kind of that Christian-looking fish that you see in the back of people's cars and bumpers over the years going the opposite direction. That's what being a follower of Christ is. It's going the opposite direction of the world. We're doing things differently. Um, glorification, the ultimate perfection of believers when we pass into heaven— I have a, a good friend here that today will be giving a, her personal testimony. So the title today is, is, is Can God Truly Be Good? And, but we're going to be talking about justification. Ultimately, everything's going to be circling around to, yes, God can be trusted. God is good. But she's going to be giving her testimony that even through the trials and tribulations that her and her family have gone through, God is still good. And I wanted just to, to hear that. And it, you can never... Um, really, quite frankly, discount someone's personal testimony. That's something that they've gone through. And so that's why I wanted her to come up and, and give that testimony uh, a little bit later. Uh, the next word is impute. It is used to designate any action or word or thing as reckoned to a person. Our sins are imputed to Jesus and his righteousness to us. So our sins were imputed to Jesus as if he was the sinner and his righteousness was imputed, placed on us as if we have never sinned. Again, justification. Uh, propitiation, that's a good word, um, averting, the, sorry, averting the wrath of God by offering uh, of a gift. So propitiation is basically substitution. Jesus Christ was our propitiation. He was our substitute on the cross. We were the ones that were supposed to be there. We were the ones, thanks to Adam and Eve, our, uh, our mom and dad, uh, who made the choice and took the apple and... Sin came into this world and is put on us. Um, righteousness is the state of moral perfection, which none of us have. Jesus Christ does. That's what he places on us in a, in a supernatural way. Uh, epistle. We're going to be talking about an epistle, this letter, this Romans. An epistle is a writing directed or sent to a person or a group of people. It's basically a letter. Um, 
And last but not least, we're going to be talking briefly about the law. When they talk about the law in, in God's word, is the first five books of the Bible. That's what the people had initially, the first five books of the Bible. That's the law. And then the prophets, those are the books of Joshua through Malachi. So, anyways, let's uh, get started. Uh, Romans chapter 3, 1 through 26. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus. Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in, Jesus, which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness, because in the forbearance of God he passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So, we're going to start off here. And I want to give credit where credit is due. When I was preparing for this message, and, and uh, um, as again, I'm not a uh, professional pastor. I haven't been to seminary. But you look up uh, commentaries. You look up much wiser, in, in, in intelligent uh, individuals, uh, biblical scholars, typically, who, who their life has been spent studying God's word of how to kind of understand what we're saying here, what Paul is saying here. Um, and looking through that... Uh, I had trouble kind of focusing on, on putting it together. So Dr. Stephen Lawson is the one. This is his message. And I took pieces and parts from it that, uh, that spoke to me. So I'm going to give credit where credit's due. So. But this is the doctor, doctrine of justification. And as I say, whenever you hear that word justification from now on, that means just as if I hadn't sinned. That's the kind of the simplistic layman's term. So in the beginning of Romans 1... 18, which we did not read, all the way through Romans 3.20, these verses constituted the first section of the epistle Paul presented in his case for the condemnation of the entire sinful human race. All mankind, of, all mankind that finds itself outside of Christ is under the wrath of God. And in verse 21, as we come there, there is a dramatic shift as he proceeds from condemnation to justification. Justification is the total opposite of condemnation. The first two words of verse 21 are, but now, which signals a dramatic pivot. Uh, Martin Lloyd-James, who is um, uh, the great expositor of the 20th century, has said, praise God for the buts in the Bible. But now turns the corner from condemnation of the entire human race to the justification of all believers in Jesus Christ by the grace of God. So anytime that we read God's word and there is a but, B-U-T, in the word, in, in, in his word, that means whatever he's talking about prior to, he's changing his focus differently. So that's when he said, thankful for the buts in the Bible. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on briefly here when it talks about justification, so the whole world is condemned, was condemned. But those, all believers in Jesus Christ, so only those who believe in Jesus Christ, who believe that he is our salvation, he is our way to heaven, are the ones that will not be condemned. So I wanted to make that first point. Um, 
The first point Paul states here is that justification is apart from the law. This announces that the righteousness we desperately need cannot come by our attempt to keep the law. The righteousness of God means the righteousness that God requires. This righteousness can be achieved, cannot be achieved by our own keeping of the Ten Commandments. A right standing before God is entirely apart from the keeping of the requirements that God has revealed in his written word. There is no way by our own efforts that we can meet the high mark that God requires to enter into heaven. What God requires is absolute perfection. God will not grade on the curve. God will not look for the happy medium. God has established the standard of his own perfect holiness, and he will not lower it one iota. It always amazes me, uh, um, for those that don't know, I was a firefighter paramedic for 27 years in Las Vegas, and I retired last year. And all nine other individuals that I worked with in my fire station were pretty much uh, atheists, had no belief in, in God whatsoever. Uh, they watched me, watch me like a hot hawk since I was the Christian in the fire station. They had no problem pointing out my faults and failures. Um, but it always amazed me that we as humans, as his creation, um, and especially those that don't believe, that don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that we set standards of how, what we think it needs to get into heaven. And here, quite, quite literally, it shows that God is the standard. He has set the bar, which none of us can reach whatsoever, so, other than through Jesus Christ. In fact, in the end of verse 23, Paul says, All have sinned. One second. Yes. All have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. The standard of measurement is the glory of God, which is the moral perfection of his own holy character. We are not going to be measured against the morality of other people. We are not going to be measured against our own expectations for ourselves. It is by the unattainable standard of the glory of God that we are weighed in the balances and found to be wanting. We can never achieve the righteousness that God requires by our attempts to keep the law. I think that's a common thing that we do as humans, Christian or not Christian. We compare ourselves to others as what's good, what's not good. Uh, And again, I'll use the extremes. Um, Compared to Jeffrey Dahmer, I'm really good. Those of you that don't know who Jeffrey Dahmer is, he was a really bad guy, did some horrible, horrific things. Um, But again, that's not the comparison. It's not me to Jeffrey. It's not us to Adolf Hitler. It's not us to Mother Teresa. Not even Mother Teresa met uh, met that bar. Even though she was an amazing woman doing God's work, uh, she still could not meet that perfection, what God desires or wants from us. We can't give that to him. We bring absolutely nothing to the table. We make no contribution to our own salvation other than our sin. That was laid upon the Lord Jesus Christ as he hung upon the cross. Um, As I said, they're they're really hurting when the drummer has to come up and, and speak up here. So Michelle and I, we've been married for 31 years. Music has been a real central focus of our, our, our family. Uh, we love music, especially Christian music, anything that lifts up and, and, and glorifies Jesus Christ. We love listening to, to that. 
And so I listen to a lot of Christian music, and Christian music uh, speaks to me many times, speaks to a lot of us. Uh, it's on my, my, my radio when I turn it on, is, is the Christian radio, whether it's satellite or through radio. So we have a couple songs, one that I'm going to be bringing up now, that speaks to what I just talked about. So it's a lyrical one, so you can read the words, you can hear it, but just please, uh, you know, anytime we come to church, I mean, this is, 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 is not just hearing the word, but receiving it, taking it in and really listening it, uh, kind of marinating in it, in a sense, meditating on it. So if you would, Don, please. This is the story of a runaway And no way home and no way out I threw the best of me away I had my chance, it's too late now Too far gone and too ashamed To think that you'd still know my name But love refused to let my story
So even though that song is only three minutes, it's it's so powerful. I don't know about anybody here, but you don't have to be the Jeffrey Dahmers or the Adolf Hitlers, the people that we look at as, as the worst, to be convicted by this. And we're going to discuss that in just a little bit. Justification is provided by God. Paul says, even the righteousness of God, the righteousness that God requires, is the righteousness that he gives. He is the source of the righteousness he demands. The righteousness that is imputed to us does not come from us, but from outside ourselves. It is a righteousness that comes down from the throne of God. Only God could provide that which he requires, because the standard to be received into his presence is absolute moral perfection to his law. I put a little note here. Adam and Eve had it so simple. All they had to do was they had everything else. Just don't touch this one tree. But is that just not like us? I'm sure there's a lot of people probably think, oh, yeah, I could have, you know, obeyed and not done that. But still to this day, if you're honest with yourself, if there's something, you know, don't touch this, don't do that, whatever, you're like, well, why can't I? I want to. I have this desire to do it. So justification is received by faith. That's how we receive it. What is the saving faith? That's what we're talking about. It is the firm commitment of your person's life to Jesus Christ. The faith that saves us nothing less than this. It is more than the mere head knowledge about God, Jesus Christ, and salvation. It is more than the emotional feelings of conviction of sin and affection for Christ. Saving faith is the exercise of a person's will to turn away from self-righteousness and entrust his life to Jesus Christ. It is to enter through the narrow gate. It is to come to Christ and entrust all that you are to all that he is. A half-trust will not get you there. There must be the reliance of your entire soul upon Jesus Christ. You cannot hold back any part and try to contribute some portion of your salvation through your own good works, a right acceptance before God. Faith is real when you come all the way to trust, trust Jesus Christ alone. In that, that, uh, those words I just read, a few things I wanted to point out. Saving faith is the exercise of a person's will to turn away from self and entrust his life to Jesus Christ. The word that's, that uh, stood out to me is that he uses there is exercise. If anyone knows what exercise is, you're working out, you're moving. That's what faith is. Faith is not a passive thing. You cannot sit down. Now, they do. I will say this. Often, the simple example they give of faith is when you came into church, did you check all the nuts and bolts and screws on these chairs you sat in, or did you have faith that this chair would support you and hold you? So this faith is a lot different. This is the faith where we talk about when you've been in church, they talk about stepping out in faith. That means there is, there is physical activity. You're exercising your faith. Um, Whatever that is, it's an exercise. There has to be movement on your part. It's not just sitting back. Uh, even if you're sitting 
and waiting for Christ, for God to work in your life, you're still active. You're still doing something for him, but maybe you don't know exactly what it is, but you're still active in his name. Secondly, entering through the narrow gate. Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Uh, one of my favorite verses. Ooh, wrong one. Sorry. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So as he mentioned here, the gate to this life that Christ has for us is narrow. It is not wide. The world's gate is wide. We can do anything we want in the world, and typically that will lead to destruction. Narrow is the gate that leads to true life through Jesus Christ, and that is so true. I have been on the narrow road, and I've been on the wide road, and I guarantee you from personal experience, the wide road does just as God's word says. It leads to destruction. And so, yes, the path is narrow. Yes, God has a very, very narrow of standards, high standards, but very narrow. The world says you can do whatever you want. Hack to her, act however you want, say whatever you want, it's okay. God says, no. If you want to be in my presence, then you will do it this way, my way, which is what I have chosen, my wife has chosen, our four children have chosen. Do we do it perfectly? No. And that's where God's forgiveness comes into play. Third, uh, we can't can't contribute some portion of of our salvation through our own good works. In Isaiah 64.6. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We are we all shriveled up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins swept us away. So all have become, all of us have become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. So even our best works, even our best days, even the best things that we do compared to Jesus. Remember, I'm not comparing myself to Jeffrey or any of these other horrible humans throughout human history. I'm comparing to Jesus Christ, who is without fault, without sin. That's the comparison. So even my best thing, even if I fly off and build an orphanage or do this or that in the name of Jesus, is awesome. He wants us to do that for him. But again, it is still like filthy rags in comparison to what Christ is like. Our faith is in Christ alone, not our baptism, not our church membership, and not our good works. This is the distinguishing mark of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Every other religious message message in the world is a message of human works as the basis to earn salvation in which, which man makes some contribution to his own righteousness. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only message of pure grace in which righteousness is received by faith alone. Man must receive the righteousness of God by the empty hand of faith. So again, we can't do anything on our own part. Um, the overall title to this was, was God, can God truly be good? 
And as we go through this, I, hopefully it's seen that God is truly good. But I know there's many times when, when, as we say, the rubber meets the road, when life gets really hard, when a person or a family, whoever goes through a really difficult time, is, is can God be good in that? Can you see that? In fact, we were talking about the, that, that today in, in Sunday school. Is in the midst of, of anxious time and anxiety, can we still be thankful? Can we find that goodness? So my dear friend, uh, Gina Bellamy, is going to come up here and give a brief, brief testimony uh, that something her and her girls uh, have and are still continuing to go through. And I would love for her to come up here and give that testimony about God being good uh, even in the midst of trials and tribulations. Nope, here, one second. Hi. Just like David, I'm much better in front of children. (laughs) So there's one out there. Um, But I am not going to assume here that I'm going to give a brief just overview of why I'm here. Um, So David started this journey with us. Um, He's the one that took Patrick. Um, Patrick was my husband. Those that don't know, there's a few new faces out there. Um, March 17th to a doctor's appointment that the doctors had been just going over and over and around and around that this can't be anything bad. Um, He's too young. This has to just be a food allergy or something that his body is just not tolerating. So David went with him down to St. George um, after months of, of just going around and errors and in, in doctors or whatever, and had a colonoscopy, and sure enough, he had a huge tumor in his colon, um, so big that it, it was going through the wall of the colon already. So March 27th of 2016, it was Easter Sunday, and he came home after his first huge surgery. Um, they felt good about it. They felt hopeful. They told us this is, you know, normally one of the better cancers to have. Great. Good, we'll do the treatment, and everything will be fine. So he did um, chemo with radiation and then chemo. Um, He got to ring the bell. Everything was great. Um, Ding, ding, ding. Such a good day. And then uh, fast forward to February of 17, and he went for a routine scan that we thought would just come out fine, and they found it in his lungs. And so... um, To make a long story even shorter, we sat in the doctor's office, and all those words that you don't want to hear, right? Terminal, stage four, no cure. Um, We'll do the best we can to slow it down. That's that's what we were facing, and I had Aubrey and Hannah at the time, four years ago, who were uh, nine. Uh, Hannah was nine, five, four, five years old. And the first thing in my head is, wow, Aubrey isn't going to know much of her dad. Like, she's four. She's five. Like, what what is she going to remember, right? Hannah's a little bit older, so that's okay. Um, And the doctor says, I'm sorry, it wasn't better news. Okay. And so I look at Patrick, and he looks at me, 
And I'm like, wow, what are we going to, what do we do? What do we tell them? What happens now? Like, this kind of changed our world. Um, And I looked at the doctor, and I said, well, we serve a mighty God. And so medically speaking, I understand you. I hear it. Like, I know this could kill him, right, leaving a big hole in our family. However, God can also take it away if he so wishes. And so that kind of started this... um, I was prayerful, um, and that's the first point of God's goodness. So now that you kind of know what our family's been through, um, my prayer life, I, I was angry, and I didn't even want to pray. I didn't want to pray about it, because what if he doesn't answer me in the way I want, which is just keep him here, like, as long as he can, or take it away. And that was my prayer, take it away, take it away, take it away. Then my Red Hills family... Um, I didn't know why we moved to Cedar. I didn't know why Red Hills. I was always told, you know, there's not many Christian churches. What are you going to do there? Well, he was saved here in this church. Um, And then all my friends would come up and say, we're praying for you and Patrick and the girls all the time. And I thought that was the first, like, conviction of I'm praying wrong. I kept praying, heal him. I'd pray with the girls every night. Heal him, heal him, take it away. And then I thought, you know what? Maybe it's not his will to take it away. And so my prayer changed. My prayer changed with the girls to do what you need to do with Patrick. If he's meant to be here, great. But we don't want him here like this. Because this was ugly. And they watched him go through the suffering. And this, the, it wasn't even like a whoop. It was... There he is again, Captain America, bad, good, you know, good, bad, and then good. And then he always came out of it. So maybe he would heal him. I don't know. But that my prayer life changed in a way that God blessed me. Um, and and I, I'd get into the word, and I'd read passages, and nothing seemed to really fit what we were going through. And then I read one day Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. I won't read the whole thing. Um, But for everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. And when I read that, and I had read it before so many times, I mean, over and over, one of my favorite books, and it never, but there is a season, and there's a reason he brought that to me, because then I thought, you know, maybe it is his time to die. Maybe there's something more for him in heaven that he can't do here. And so then I keep reading, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down. Um, and I would just, this is the verse, I, this is the passage I would go to all the time. And it just made me feel so much better until I went to someone and cried and had a bad day. And then, um, so the, the good of prayer, God shows us how to pray. Um, I, I feel like I wasn't praying right at the beginning because you guys were praying to heal. Everybody was. I know you were. Um, and so you had that covered. So then I had to think, how do I have to pray for my kids and my family? And I had to make sure they were okay with him dying. And I didn't want them to be angry, and I didn't want to be angry. And so if I prayed that over them all the time, that just do your will, Lord. If it's to take him, it's okay. We're going to be okay. Um, So then the next point, God's goodness through others. I, it blows my mind. Um, why, you know, why were we at Red Hills? Well, why was I on the first pastor search committee? I met one of my best friends. Um, and then 
his best friend um, comes home from being working away and became one of his best friends. And he just put people in our lives um, that I couldn't even text, phone calls, emails, treats for the girls, meals, notes on the front door, hearts on the lawn, um, coffee deliveries, pastors and church family coming to the house to pray, notes on my desk at work, pink Christmas, which has been a huge blessing, um, friends that call. Um, I'm coming, we're coming in 15 minutes and we're taking the girls. Oh, where are you taking them? It doesn't matter. You just need some time. Okay. Fantastic. So um, it just goes on and on and on. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. God saves us by his grace when you are, when you, when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Um, those were all good things brought to us and God's goodness through other people. Uh, we moved to Cedar. We were put in a great neighborhood, um, blessed with a house that we had great neighbors, blessed with a church that I, we couldn't have gone through it without our church family. Um, we carry each other's bur- burdens, Galatians 6 through six two. Um, you guys all carried this burden with us, and that's God's goodness through all of it because I couldn't have done it without others' goodness. Um, his timing is probably the biggest one. Uh, if I go back, I journaled a lot through all of this, and his timing, I didn't think about it uh, as I was going through it because I'd go through angry, I'd go through sad, I'd go through happy, I went through all the emotions, but his timing was good. Um, the doctors were right. They gave him time. Um, Aubrey's nine now, and Hannah's 13. And so they will remember their dad. It wasn't fast. It wasn't, we found out, and two weeks later he was gone. We had four years. It wasn't an easy four years, but it gave us time. And so God's goodness in timing. Um, then COVID hit, if we fast forward a whole lot, um, and he had COVID. They didn't think he did, but he did. And so in March of 2020, he was down in Dixie. Um, they said, how is he alive? I don't understand. And I said, I guess God knows. I don't know. But had he died of COVID, um, we wouldn't have been alone, but that's how I felt, right? I wasn't going to let my friends come over and be with us, knowing that we probably had it from him. Um, And so he made it through that, and he was okay. And then um, the timing of Easter 2016 is when he came home from his first surgery, and we had found out maybe seven days before that, and it was quick. They got him right in, and Easter was his last holiday spent with us of 2020, timing like Easter is going to be different from now on so my mom kept saying June 9th we're going to leave June 9th it's June 9th we're going to get you know we had found out it went to his brain um, on May 26th and then they said he probably had two to four weeks um, and he had 14 days he died 14 days later and June 9th was just my mom kept saying to me June 9th and I'm all all right, leave June 9th. That sounds great. Just get in the motorhome and come on out. Well, then I, I called her on Saturday, Friday, and I said, you guys better come. I think no matter what, even if it's a couple more weeks, just you better come. And so they did, and here comes this huge motorhome that that too was God's goodness because they drove through a hurricane. Uh, their windshield wipers went out. Their high beams went out, and the the devil or Satan or whatever said, you're not going, you're not getting there. And Robert, my brother-in-law said, oh, we're getting there. We're getting there. And so he drove 36 plus hours straight without sleeping. 
Um, and he got them there at 1.30 in the morning on the 9th. And Patrick was still with it and talked to every single one of them and knew who they were. Again, God's timing. Um, and then he died at 9.55 on June 9th. So my mom was right about June 9th. It's just that they needed to be there by June 9th and not leave on June 9th. Um, but again, God was good and got them there. So through all of it, um, it was ugly, but it was beautiful. And sometimes I would pray, just take him. Like, why are you doing this to, to the girls? And but look what Jesus did. Like, he went through nothing compared to what Jesus did for us. And so I have to remember, too, that, you know, his suffering was minimal compared to what Jesus does for us if we just say yes to him. So now, after God's, um, now, it's, now it's the aftermath, right? So now the yuck is over, and we say goodbye to him. The last time I stood up in front of someone was at his service. So um, it's been a long, it's been months, but God continues to be good. Um, as one of my friends, I won't mention her name, says to me, well, it wasn't your best moment. Because I did some things that maybe I shouldn't quite have done in the spur of grief, like sell my house when I don't have somewhere to go. Um, Our thought was we were going to go to Florida, and something was just saying, don't go. The girls didn't want to go. I wasn't ready to go. And I just said, we just have to, I have to slow down. Like, not only did I sell my house, I sold probably everything I own. And so, other than my beds. We needed our beds, I guess. Um, So then I panicked, and we're going to stay, but we have nowhere to be, and my house is too far along to back out of it. But God's goodness again, because Red Hills, without even a beat, John and Robin Harris said, we'll take you and the girls. And... And they have been... Nothing short of a miracle because the girls fight <laughs> or they get annoyed with us, I'm sure. Um, they don't always show it, but they've been good. And then we're going to build this house, and it's going to be great, and we're staying here. And I feel awful about the house, right? Because um, Austin was just up here. The housing market is crazy right now. And what are we, you know, I'm sinking all this money into a house that I don't, I don't really know if I want it. And again, God's goodness, because someone else in Red Hill says, we'll have a place for you in June. Okay. Because he takes care of it. He knows I was going to mess up. It was not a good moment at all. More tears, more this stinks. What are we going to do? But God knew I was going to do that (laughs) and mess up. So, um. I think, I didn't even really look at my notes, but I think that's all I have. Um, I've, I've made some not-so-great decisions. Um, I don't know the good in God taking Patrick away from me and the girls. My mom, my dad, my nieces, there's so many people that loved him. Friends here at Red Hills, friends at work, friends at my school. He finished his bachelor's degree. Um, just in 20, 19, uh, the summer he walked of 19. Um, 
And so, but there's hope. And I feel like God's goodness is that hope. And when I get out of my own way, then you see God move. Because I'm always in my own way. Like, I want to fix it. I told her to go downstairs. (laughs) She didn't want to. Um, But I want to fix it for them, you know? He was a good man. But even good people have to go. But the goodness of God and leaning on him. And I need people like Lori who say, get out of your own way. Like, just let him do it. Just stop thinking about it. Okay. <laughs> stop thinking so much about it. Um, so Psalms 5, 11, and 12. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them, that all who love your name may be filled with joy. For you bless the godly, O Lord. You surround them with your shield of love. Um, And he does that if we just allow him. So his goodness has been, it was hard to see it, going through it. Um, But I'm glad I journaled. I'm glad I look back and I I think... um, those four, those, those things, time, prayer, um, the goodness of others um, that know Christ and how much I needed them, but I would say no, but they'd come over anyway because they knew I needed someone. Um, so I, I love you guys. I love Jesus above all, and I know my girls do. Um, and the one thing that I'm, I'm happy about is that they're not angry. They're not, they're not mad. For taking him, it's just a new, it's just a new way that we have to figure it out. Um, but God is good all the time. And so um, I, I hope that down the road, I see the, the big picture of goodness. I, I, don't, I don't know that yet. Is there going to be someone in my life that I can, I can help with what they're going through? Another wife losing a husband or um, whatever. It doesn't have to be that. Um, my kids, a friend losing a dad or a mom. And they can, they can help them through it. So, that's it. Was that too long? I no, to look you're at good. People. They weren't yawning. Really, so. <laughs> Very good. Yes. So I wanted Gina to do that because a lot of times. Uh, in 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 our lives, I think that's like I said, where the rubber meets the road. When we go through a really hard time. Um, even as believers, we're like, well, where was God in that? And um, again, I, you know, there's nothing you can discount about Gina's testimony because it's hers. She went through it, her and Patrick, her and the girls. Um, and, but I wanted to uh, have her up here. Let me, where's uh, my phone? There it is. So let me, uh, Continue on here. Uh, we're in verse 23. Um, justification needed by all. Justification is needed by all. Paul writes, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every person in the history of the world, whether past, present, or until the end of the age, has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. That is a simple definition of what sin is. There are, so, there are many different definitions for sin used in the Bible. This is one of those, which is to fall short of the perfect holiness of God. 
By this high standard, God is not comparing us to our neighbor or to someone you think is further away from God than you are. If you can picture a set of scales, and on one side of the scales is placed your life, on the other side of the scales is the glory of God, which is the sum and substance of all the perfections of God, we are weighed in the balances and measured against the absolute purity of God. By this standard, we have fallen woefully short of the glory of God. Justification is declared by God. Being justified is a passive verb. We are passive in obtaining this righteousness, and someone else is active. We cannot justify ourselves. Someone else is the justifier. It is God alone who can justify us. It goes on to talk about justification is a forensic declaration this picture, this picture is a courtroom scene in which God the judge makes a legal declaration. He declares the guilty sinner to be righteous on the basis of the righteousness that Jesus Christ has secured for them. This pronouncement of righteousness is an immediate and, and, and irrevocable act. It takes place in a split second, the moment the sinner believes in Jesus Christ. Our sanctification is progressive throughout the rest of one's life. Our glorification, which is what... Patrick uh, had experienced when he died and went to be with Jesus in heaven. He, his body was glorified. Will take place in a moment and will last throughout all eternity. But justification takes place in the twinkling of an eye when one believes in Jesus Christ. We're talking about supernatural. That's what we're talking about. Things that are beyond our little human, tiny little brains that we can understand. Something that happens an instant when that one person believes in and receives Christ. They are humble enough, put their pride aside and realize, I am a sinner. I do need Christ. I want to be with him in heaven. It's not just to be in heaven because there's no more sickness, there's no more dying, there's no more tears. That's all awesome. The real reason, the real draw for us to be in heaven is to be with our Savior. That's the real draw. And finally, the divine act of justification is more than the removal of the penalty of sin. It is more than being forgiven of your sin. That is only the removal of the negative that separates you from God. Justification, moreover, brings the acquisition of the positive righteousness of God. By faith, you are given a positive righteousness before God. We need far more than the forgiveness of sin. All the pardon of sin does is bring us back to point zero, and zeros do not go to heaven. Forgiveness washes away sin, but in order to have a right standing before God, we must be more than a clean slate. We must be brought higher than merely ground zero. There must be deposited into our account the positive saving righteousness of God. Just like this said is, yeah, Jesus' blood washed all of our sins away, but for even, us to, for even us to go into heaven, other than just having our sins washed away, which brings, us, brings our debt to zero. We need to have Jesus Christ's righteousness on us. As I talked about before, that word impute. So our filthy, ugly, horrible sins go on Christ, and God's Jesus Christ's righteousness is imputed onto us. That's how God sees us when he looks at us. He doesn't look at us as a horrible sinful human beings that we are. Jesus Christ, when he entered this world, 
invaded the slave market of mankind. He came into the, the person into the prison house of this world and his substitutionary death upon the cross. Jesus Christ purchased in full the redemption of sinners who were held captive by the chains of sin under the cruel tyranny of the devil. The Lord Jesus paid the ransom price in order to secure the release of those imprisoned by their sin. You will never hear any better news than this for the rest of your life. Everything else is secondary. This truth is what is primary. Just remember, there's no sin that we can commit that Christ can't wash away. There's no deep hole or valley that we can be in that Christ isn't there already with us. We can go to him. I know someone personally who says that they've done so much bad, there's no way Christ can forgive them. That's not true. He can. He can forgive any sin. Again, if we put, a, put aside our pride, if we are humble enough to bow at the cross, to tell Jesus, I've messed up, please heal me. He can heal. He is the great physician. Um, I wanted to end today when I was reading through this, and it says you'll never hear any better news than this. So to go along with the definitions, those that, that don't know, when you hear the word gospel, that means good news. And we're going to end uh, with a, uh, another video, another musical video by Mercy Me. Uh, just real briefly, if anyone is familiar with Mercy Me or not familiar with Mercy Me, um, Bart, who is the lead singer, he's the one that wrote, um, oh my goodness, I just forgot it, sweetheart. I can only imagine, thank you. He's the one that wrote it. And we saw that movie. In fact, Michelle had mentioned about maybe we should do that for movie night one night, is to watch the, the story about Bart and what he went through. And again, horrible life, absent father, everything. And yet you look at where he is now, it's, it's absolutely amazing what God has done through him, his band, their ministry. Um, but anyways, I wanted to, to kind of close on this um, because the gospel is the good news, but it's also the best news ever. <laughs> 